0: So this is our second week now in our Advent series, Seasonal Signs, uh, where each week we are considering something that we tend to encounter this time of year, and then asking how that thing might point beyond itself to biblical truth, to the gospel. And uh, last week we did the Seasonal Sign of Waiting, a common experience, especially for children this time of year. And this week's seasonal sign is trees. Christmas trees, obviously. Uh, during this time of year, most of us set up trees in our homes, which is kind of weird, right? Um, in 2018, the uh, Nielsen company, the same company that you know does television ratings. They did a survey for the American Christmas Tree Association. Yeah, that's a thing, the American Christmas Tree Association. (laughs) And they determined that 77% of American households set up a tree at Christmas time. It's a lot. Uh, And of those households, um, 82% have artificial trees. And 18% are the real deal. So that means that about 14% of all American households take a real tree into their homes. And about 63% set up something designed to look like a real tree. right? And of course there's a good chance that if you're here this morning you are among that 77%. right? So let me ask you... What does that tree represent for you? Now, I would suspect that for most of us, the answer would be something like, well, for me, I look at it and I just, you know, feel the, the memories from past Christmases. It represents, you know, um, my experiences with my, my family. It, it represents the, you know, the excitement of Christmas morning and, and all that kind of thing. And, and there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, But this morning, I want to give you some suggestions for what your tree could represent to you beyond that. Now, just to be clear, I'm not trying to give some sort of sermon on this is the true meaning of Christmas trees historically. Uh, That's an interesting topic. And I did try to do a little bit of research on that. Um, I I believe, if I remember correctly, the earliest evidence of... um, of Christmas trees being used to celebrate Christmas goes back to some monks in, like, the 1400s. So, it's got a long history, Um, but, you know, what exactly the uh, thought process was behind setting up a tree, what the purpose was, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I know there's at least a, a legend that Martin Luther, the leader of the Protestant Reformation, was the first guy to put candles on a tree. Which doesn't seem very smart to me. but um, So it kind of became associated Christmas trees with more of a Protestant tradition rather than a Catholic tradition. And the Catholic Church didn't actually start setting up a Christmas tree in the Vatican until like 1982, which is hard to believe. Um, but anyway, so that's, that's some of the historical stuff, right? But that's not really what I want to talk about this morning. I just want to give you some some suggestions for things that you can think about when you look at that tree so that it represents more to you than, you know, just something pretty, you know, so you can think of something more than just, oh, how lovely are your branches Christmas tree, okay? So, I've got three, three things when you look at your tree. Number one, See your tree as a symbol of the life that Christ came to bring you. Christmas trees, of course, are evergreen trees, right? Which means that unlike all the other trees which turn color and then lose their leaves and look dead throughout the winter, they look alive no matter how cold and dark it gets, right? Evergreens are called evergreen because they are evergreen. Now, Jesus said that he came that we might have life and have it to the full. We might say that he came to bring us evergreen kind of life. And Jesus describes this kind of life in John chapter 4, when he speaks to a, a woman by a well. And he says to her with the well in view, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then he says something a little bit uh, similar just a few chapters later in John chapter 7. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So in both of these passages, Jesus says that those who believe in him will turn into springs of water. They will have water flowing from within. what, What does that mean? What could that mean? What it means is that Christ can give us a source of peace and joy and life that is not dependent on what is going on around us. A source of peace and hope and life that comes from within. Right, ...that flows out of the core of our being... ...that's not dependent on external circumstances. Even when we go through what we might call the winter stretches of life... right ...the hard times, the dark times... ...Christ can give us an evergreen spirit. If you were here a couple of weeks ago... ...you heard some people in our congregation give testimonies... ...of how God has worked in their lives... ...on uh, Thanksgiving Sunday... And as I think back to those stories, especially uh, Ron's and Vicky's, I heard stories of people experiencing evergreen life in the darkest of winters. Same with the testimony that uh, Dean gave a couple weeks before that. Evergreen life in the darkest of winter. And of course, Christ came not only to give us peace and hope, in the winters of life, but he also came to bring us everlasting life, eternal life. Right? As he says, uh, the, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life, right? a life that endures beyond death, truly evergreen life. So that's number one. See your tree as the symbol of that life, the life that endures in the winter, in the dark. Number two, see your tree as a symbol of your need for salvation and your means of salvation. A symbol of your need for salvation and the means of your salvation. Now, this is my favorite one, the one I was most excited to talk about. And you might be wondering, okay, well, how does that work? All right, well, it's going to take a little while to explain it, but try to stick with me. When you think about it, Trees play an important role in the story of the Bible. Uh, In the very beginning of the Bible, book of Genesis, we have the story of Adam and Eve. We talked about it a little bit last week. You probably know the story. And in it, God places Adam and Eve in a garden, a beautiful garden, the Garden of Eden. And we're told the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Notice that part of the purpose of these trees that God makes is just to look good. Just to be beautiful, right? Pleasing to the eye. And God says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. All of this is for you to enjoy, but I'm just going to ask you to do one thing. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. And of course, you probably know what happens next. We talked about this last week, right? A mysterious serpent shows up and deceives Eve into eating from the tree deceives her by convincing her that God is not really good, that God doesn't really have her best interests at heart. And then Adam follows suit, and because they sin, the harmony of creation is broken. And death becomes inevitable. Adam is told that now, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Because Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, access to the tree of life is blocked. Remember, there were two specific trees that were mentioned by name when it talked about God creating the trees in the garden, right? There was this tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And we're told that after Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, disobeying God's command, falling for that deception from the serpent, then their access to the tree of life is blocked, and so now death is inevitable. Now I know a story like this raises all kinds of questions, right? more questions than we could possibly address in a sermon. Here's what I want us to notice this morning. In the Bible, it's at a tree that everything goes wrong, but it's also at a tree that everything goes right. The tree of the cross. Have you ever noticed that there are some times in the Bible where the cross is referred to as a tree? It's kind of weird, right? Uh, In Acts 5.30, Peter is addressing a crowd, the Apostle Peter, and he says, The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Here's another one, Acts thirteen twenty nine. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. And then one more, Galatians three thirteen. The Apostle Paul writes, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Now, there's a reason why these New Testament writers are choosing to use this language of tree. Now, part of it, obviously, is because the cross was made of wood, right? But I don't think that's the only reason. In using that language of tree, it's connecting us back to the garden. Back to the Garden of Eden. And it helps us to see that what Jesus did on the cross is the reversal of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. So think about it this way. In the Garden of Eden, there was a tree that looked beautiful. right The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, don't eat from it. But instead of trusting God, Adam and Eve allowed themselves to be deceived, allowed themselves to think that God isn't really good, that he doesn't really have their best interests at heart. So they take and they eat from that beautiful forbidden tree, and because of their sin, they're cut off from the tree of life, from eternal life. But where Adam and Eve failed, Jesus succeeded. See, Jesus was also presented with a tree, the tree of the cross. And he also had a choice to make. And unlike the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this was not a good-looking tree. He did not want to partake. Of this tree. Of course, he wanted to save us, but he didn't want to go through that that suffering. Before he was supposed to go to the cross, he he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane to his father. He prayed in agony and he said, My father, if it is possible, may this cup pass from me. Meaning, may, may I be spared this suffering. I don't want to do this, right? But he added, Yet not as I will, but as you will. So Adam and Eve said, my will, not yours, God. Right? Jesus said, not my will, but yours. Adam chose not to obey God regarding a tree. Jesus chose to obey God regarding a tree. Adam's sin blocked access to the tree of life, but Jesus' obedience opened the way to the tree of life. You know, we might say that in a sense, the cross itself becomes the new tree of life for us, right? Because it's that tree that grants us eternal life. Because it's on that tree that Jesus bore the sin of the world in his body and yet prayed, Father, forgive them. Right? It's on that tree where the debt incurred by our sin was paid and the curse of death was undone. And so hopefully you can see now why a tree can represent both our need for salvation and also the means of our salvation, right? In the story that the Bible tells us, it is a tree that leads to humanity's curse, but it's also a tree where we are forgiven and healed. So I think it's pretty fitting that we bring trees into our homes during this time of year where we are remembering our Savior's birth, right? Our Savior came into the world to reverse the curse that began at a tree by dying on a tree. And when you think about it, trees really should be symbols of our shame and failure, right, as human beings. Uh, If we look at a tree and we think of Genesis 2 through 3, a tree is a great symbol of our failure to trust God, And follow his commands. Of our tendency to be deceived. But at Christmas we take what ought to be a symbol. Of human shame and failure. And we dress it up and we make it beautiful. And that's really fitting. Because that's what Jesus does, right? He takes our shame and our failure. And he transforms it into something beautiful. Through his love and forgiveness. So as you look at your Christmas tree let it remind you of that big story of the Bible let it remind you of your sin but also let it remind you of the cure for your sin let it remind you of the tree of the garden and the tree of the cross and let it remind you that Jesus came into the world to make beautiful what we messed up okay one more Number three, see your tree as a symbol of the necessity of staying connected to Christ. Now, unfortunately, this symbol only works if you have a real tree, which I now know is only about 18% of us. Uh, But I think all you artificial tree people can still appreciate this. You can get it. As we have already recognized, Christmas trees are evergreen. They stay green all year round, and because of that, they are great symbols of the everlasting life that Jesus comes to bring us. But, of course, the truth is, they're only evergreen if you don't cut them down. Once you cut them, they are on a deadline, right? They've got a limited amount of time. The countdown is on. Um, four to six weeks at best, if you take care of it, before that tree starts to turn brown, the needles start to fall down, and uh, it's a fire hazard, right? This is one of the things about having a real tree that I don't like. I don't like having to worry about, ooh, did I make a fresh cut soon enough before getting it in water? I remember one year, I... I, I thought I had, but I put it in water and it wasn't drinking, and so I like pulled the whole thing out of the stand and cut it again and oh, such a headache, right? And uh and then you you always gotta be worried, like, oh did I let the water get down too low? And if you do, like then it's gonna be all dried out and ugly on Christmas, right? And you don't want that. I mean when you get a Christmas tree, like for the first couple of weeks it's like having a pet almost. You you don't even wanna go too far from the house because you're like, oh I gotta water the tree, right? It is inevitable that the Christmas tree is going to dry out, no matter how much effort you put into it, even if you pour that special stuff in it that's supposed to make it last longer in the water. um, It's going to dry out. And that is a really good illustration of what Jesus says in John 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. You know, Jesus could have said, I am the root system, you are the evergreen tree. If you remain connected to the roots, your branches will remain evergreen. But if you cut the trunk, you will wither. And eventually your needles will turn brown and fall off. Such trees are burned up. And the point Jesus is making here is that we have to stay connected to him. And if we don't, we will wither spiritually. And the power and love of God will not be demonstrated to the world through us. Now what does it look like to stay connected to Jesus? Jesus. Well, it looks like going through your day, recognizing his presence with you. It looks like staying in communication with him through prayer. It looks like studying what he said, remembering it, doing our best to follow it. It looks like staying connected to the body of Christ, the church, making an effort to be in fellowship with other followers of Jesus, right? These are all ways that we remain in him. Ways that we stay connected to the root system and remain spiritually evergreen. Now, the reason that I really love the Christmas tree as a illustration of this is that the Christmas tree looks really good for a while, even though it's disconnected. And I think there's a lesson in that. You know, we might think, well, I can disconnect from Christ, disconnect from prayer, disconnect from church, um, disconnect from, you know, thinking and reading the Gospels and that sort of thing. I can disconnect from all of that and be okay. And maybe for a while it will look like you are fine, right? But what Jesus is saying is when you choose to disconnect like that, eventually you will wither spiritually, Eventually, the power of God will not be demonstrated through you. The kingdom of God will not be embodied through you. But rather, you will find yourself being conformed to the patterns of this world. It is only by staying connected to Christ that the kingdom of God can be manifest through you. And you can remain evergreen. But, for a while, it might seem totally fine. My Christmas tree looks great right now. Cut down the day after Thanksgiving. It's still absorbing water. Um, You can grab the branches and bend them, and they're fine. But I know, give it a few more weeks, that's going to change. right? Same is true with us. If we disconnect from Jesus, we can seem healthy and alive for a time. But eventually... Spiritual withering. So, if you do have a real tree, as it starts to dry out and those needles start to to fall, hear the voice of Jesus saying, Remain in me. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain in me. Don't drift away. Remain in me. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, We do pray that you would take the things that we experience this time of year and use them to remind us of what is true. Lord, we want to experience the evergreen life that you came to bring us. Uh, We want to stay connected to you. And we want to appreciate what you have done. Lord, we thank you for the way something like a tree uh, can show us the beauty of the story that's in the Bible. Lord, we thank you for reversing what was done in the garden. We thank you for opening the way to the tree of life. In Jesus' name, amen.